Well, good morning, and happy Resurrection Sunday. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We'll be starting in verse 1. If you would, stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Again, starting in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was in, still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you this morning celebrating this awesome event, Lord, this resurrection, Lord, of your Son. God, we come with hope and joy and worship and praise, Lord, knowing that the resurrection points to our hope, Lord, of one day rising from the dead. And spending eternity with you in everlasting joy. God, what an awesome morning as we come together, Lord, and celebrate your son. Not only his birth, not only his life, not only his amazing teaching, not only his death on the cross, Lord, but that that was all vindicated and proven to be who he says he was through the resurrection, through the empty tomb. God, be with us this morning as we praise and worship you in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to start this morning uh, with a question, and the question is this. Why is the resurrection of Jesus such a big deal? Why is the resurrection of Jesus such a big deal? Why are we here to celebrate this morning? I mean... Out of everything in Scripture, if you think about the Old Testament through the New Testament, but even if you just look at Jesus' life, why the resurrection? I mean, I get the incarnation that the God of the universe that created everything came down as a man. He lived with us. He walked with us. He talked with us. He experienced life as a human. I get Jesus' ministry and, and his life, his teachings were amazing. His example was inspiring. Even non-Christian skeptics, even atheists, are inspired by the life of Christ. I get the cross. The cross is where Jesus paid the price for our sins. He took our punishment. He took our place. But why the resurrection? My goal this morning, as it is just about every 
Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is to answer this question, why is the resurrection such a big deal? Now, there's a lot of debate that surrounds the resurrection. When you read the four Gospels, it, it, it even seems like, as you read the four Gospel accounts of the resurrections, that there, there seems to be some contradictions. You might end up with questions like how many women uh, went to the tomb Sunday morning, or how many angels were there, or to whom did Jesus appear and when? But uh, I want to be clear this morning. My, my goal today is not to answer these questions, but just in case you struggle with these as you've read through uh, the Gospels, let me just say a quick word about these differences, because uh, the Gospel narratives are different, yet they do not contradict each other. Actually, I believe when you read all four gospel accounts, it, it's exactly what you would expect from eyewitnesses of an uh, unexpected, awesome, and supernatural event. I mean, just imagine if ten of us uh, witness a, a massive, awesome, spectacular event. Each one of us would probably talk about a, a different aspect of it, seeing it from a different angle, or, or different testimonies. It's only when you bring the testimonies together that you see the whole pictures. This is why cops, when they are trying to find witnesses to a crime, they try to get as many people as they can find. It's not because they're assuming the witnesses are lying. They just understand that people only see from their own perspective and only remember what they remember. Therefore, the four gospel accounts all highlight different aspects of the resurrection, but but none of them contradict each other. It's only when you put them together that you get a fuller picture of exactly what happened that morning. And when it comes to the resurrection, there are really five core truths, five core truths that are clear in all the Gospels. First, Jesus was truly dead. He was truly dead, that's clear. Second, the resurrection happened on a Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Third, angels appeared and explained what happened right, at the tomb. Fourth, the first eyewitnesses of the risen Christ were the follow women followers. And fifth, finally, the apostles and the rest of the disciples refused to believe the testimony of these first witnesses, these first female witnesses. Everything else in the Gospels are details that kind of fill in the gaps of these five core truths. So there's three things I want to do today. First, I want to look at the passage, our passage this morning, what we just read, Luke 24. Then I want to answer the question that I set out to answer this morning. What does the resurrection mean? Why is it important? Why are we celebrating this morning? And finally, I want to show you how this applies to you. So three points of the sermon, our, our passage, the meaning of the resurrection, and finally, how this applies to you. So let's start with our passage this morning. If you would, look at verse 1 again. It says this, on the first day of the week, again, one of the core truths, Sunday. The first day of the week, Sunday. This is three days after Jesus' death, and you may be thinking, well, didn't his death happen on a Friday? How is that three days after? Well, Jews counted days differently than we count them. Right? Day one was Friday, day two was Saturday, day three was Sunday. Again, verse one says this, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. Again, this is Sunday morning, 
group of women went to Jesus' body to the tomb for the purpose of getting it ready for burial. And, and this was a long process. This process, if you read the gospel accounts with these women, started Friday, but they didn't finish it. And because the next day was the Sabbath, Saturday, they had to wait till Sunday to finish the job that they started Friday. Again, verse 1, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, this type of tomb was like a cave, and I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have seen pictures uh, of the empty tomb. It was like a, a, a cave. The body was placed in the cave, and a massive stone was rolled in far, front of the entrance of this, of this cave. So look at verse 2 again. It says this, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. In other words, the body was gone. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Can you just picture this for a second? Two angels, th these, these women come to the tomb. The stone is rolled away, and, and two angels in dazzling apparel, so much so that they fall on their faces because of the glory of these angels. And they say, why do you seek the living from among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Listen, we do not worship a dead Savior. Jesus is alive. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. He said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. Romans 6, 9 says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Jesus himself said in Revelation 1, verse 17, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. We worship and follow a living Messiah. The angel said, he is not here, but he has risen. He is alive. And I want you to hear this this morning. This is good news. It's good news. But look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 says this. They, this is the women followers, they were perplexed about this. They were perplexed. This means they were confused asking themselves, what, what does this mean? The body wasn't there. What does it mean that Jesus isn't here? And this leads us to the question again that I want to answer this morning. What does the resurrection mean? What does the resurrection mean? And this brings us to the second part of the sermon, the meaning of the resurrection. You know, what's crazy about the resurrection is, is I study this every year and come back to, to thinking through, well, what does the resurrection mean? The crazy thing is it, is it doesn't mean just one thing. It actually proves so much 
it means so much. It means that Jesus' own words and predictions are trustworthy. I mean, think about that. Jesus said as he comes onto the scene that, that uh, he's going to die, and on the third day he would be raised from the dead. I mean, that's a bold prediction. <laughs> I'm going to die, and in three days I will be alive again walking around. That's a bold prediction. It's hard to believe, yet the resurrection proves that Jesus' words are trustworthy. It vindicates his words. But it also means that the Old Testament prophecies are trustworthy. The Old Testament prophesied that, that Jesus would die, the Messiah would die, and then he would be raised from the dead. And that one day, Old Testament saints even would see their Redeemer in the flesh. Job, which is probably the oldest book in all of Scripture, Job 19, verse 25, says this, For, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand on, upon the earth, and after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. The resurrection means that we are justified, in other words, declared righteous as followers of, of Christ because God's wrath was satisfied. Romans 4, verse 25, says that Jesus, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The resurrection gives us assurance that we will not perish because of our sins. Romans 8, 11 says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in other words, if you're a Christian this morning, if you're a believer this morning, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Meaning, the resurrection establishes an unshakable foundation for our hope. Our hope of eternal life. First Peter 1, verse 3 says, Bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection guarantees a future resurrected life for all believers. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Then it says this in a few verses later in verse 23, But, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then, that, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. In other words, Christ's resurrection guarantees the believer's resurrection. The resurrection means that, that Jesus has been glorified and exalted. Philippians 2.8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The resurrection declares Jesus as the rightful ruler of all creation. Ephesians 1.19, And what is 
the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come and he put all things under his feet and he gave him his head over all things to the church the resurrection also means that Jesus is listen right now Jesus right now is at the right hand of the father interceding for us praying for us those who are saved Romans 8:31 says this what then shall we say to these saints if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died but more than that who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And as we learned last week, 1 John 2 verse 1 says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but, but if anyone does sin, if you're a Christian and you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The resurrection means we, we have the responsibility. We have the responsibility as the church. We have the responsibility to take this message of, of the risen Christ to the ends of the earth, to the nations. Matthew 17, 9, it says this, And as they were coming down uh, from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, he's telling the disciples and through the disciples to, to the church, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And then after that happened in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know how we know this? Because he was raised from the dead. Therefore, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the resurrection accomplishes so much. This is why we celebrate it. It means so much. It, it vindicates the gospel. It, it vindicates our hope. It, it vindicates our faith. It, it gives us purpose in life, and it gives us hope for the next life. The resurrection is the, the greatest event in human history. It's the greatest event in human history. And that's not an overstatement. I want to be clear because, because it absolutely changed the face of the world. Listen, it's 2023 right now across the whole entire world because two, 2023 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ was born. But no one would care if he didn't rise from the dead. One pastor put it this way. If Matthew had ended at chapter 27, Mark at chapter 15, Luke at chapter 23, and John at chapter 19. This indeed would be the end of the story. Jesus would have been just another failed messianic 
pretender who clashed with the Roman Empire and paid the ultimate price for his fall. In other words, if Jesus didn't rise from the, from the grave, he would have just been a crazy man. However, each gospel adds another chapter in the case of John 2. Chapters that change everything. The story was not yet over at Jesus' death, and the world was about to be turned upside down. New creation was about to break into the midst of old creation, and nothing has ever been the same since. The resurrection changed the face of the world. E- even if you're a skeptic this morning, even if you're an atheist this morning, no one can deny the effect of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It changed the face of the world. It turned the world upside down. The resurrection accomplished so much. And that's why we celebrate. We worship a living Savior. This leads me to my last point this morning. How does this apply to you? How does this apply to you? Let me just say this. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you're in this room listening online, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're not a follower of Christ, or, or probably more likely this, you're just not sure where you stand with the Lord. If that's you, listen, I want, I want you to hear this. I'm talking to you this morning. Because, and this is so important, because the resurrection also means this. Everyone, everyone will be raised from the dead. For the believer, the follower of Christ, those that have put their trust in Jesus, they will be raised to the resurrection of life. But for everyone else, they will be raised to the resurrection of judgment. John 5, 29 says this, and he was given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So here's my question this morning. Where are you? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you at peace with God? Do you truly have a relationship with the Lord? Don't blow that question off. Because the resurrection is also a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning that Jesus will one day come back to judge the world. Acts 17.31 says this, Because He has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all, so be assured of this, by raising him from the dead. The resurrection gives us assurance that Jesus will come back one day and judge the world. Therefore, if you're not a Christian... I just want to be as honest and clear as I can be. The Bible says that we are all sinners. 
Every single human being besides Jesus Christ himself is a sinner. And Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages, what is owed for the wages of sin is death. And this is clearly talking about the second death, not physical death. It's talking about eternal death or eternity in hell where God's wrath will be poured out on you forever. But here's the good news. Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The resurrection means this. God is offering you life this morning. He's offering you life this morning. Again, it says the free gift. You can't earn it. It's not because you're good. It's not because you're here on a Sunday morning. It's a, it's a free gift. It's something that's given to you. The free gift of, of God is eternal life, but only in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Simply repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness. And right now, right now, in your heart, turn from your sin. Turn from your unbelief, which is sin, and believe in him. Trust in him. Trust that Christ paid the price for your sins by dying on the cross and was raised on the third day and is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace, again, free gift, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation comes through belief. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen, the resurrection means you can have a relationship with, with God right now. But only through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Let's pray. Lord, our God, our Father. God, I'm just reminded how glorious the resurrection is. And, and not just that Jesus was raised from the dead, but all the meaning behind it, the hope, the gospel, the good news, that he truly was who he said he was the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, God-man who came and, and lived a, a perfect life, a life we couldn't and didn't live, Lord, never sinning once and going to the cross to take our place. That whoever would trust in him would be saved. And you prove this through raising him from the dead on the third day. God, this is our hope. 
This is why we celebrate. In fact, this is why we celebrate every single week on every single Sunday. This is not a a once a year celebration. This is a life of celebration and praise and worship of you because of your goodness and your grace that you have poured out on us. God, I pray for those that are here this morning, Lord, that, that don't come to church often. That don't know where they stand with you. Maybe haven't even thought about it. I pray that they would accept your grace this morning, Lord. They would bow the knee to Jesus. That they would understand that he is the only way to a relationship with you. God, we celebrate your son in his name. Amen.